Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast. In our previous podcast, part one, we chronicled two years of a pandemic that was highlighted by COVID, the Black Lives Movement, and the presidential certification by Congress. Titled similarly, this podcast is part two, but is now called The Hastening Fall of Bob Chapek, not The Long Fall. We now move into the last three months, or the first three months of 2023, which in some ways has been nearly as turbulent as the preceding two years. Decisions in years past to support Republican members of the Florida State Legislature have come back to haunt Disney as Governor DeSantis of Florida has sought to sign into law a bill referred to by many as Don't Say Gay. We will make sense of all these events and why they have unraveled the way they have. We will revisit the role of Bob Chapek as CEO of the Walt Disney Company and how an organization that promises to be more active in manners of diversity, equity, and inclusion can at times be so far away from the goal. And finally, as this is a Disney at Work podcast, we'll offer some thoughts as to what this uh, means, these events, what they mean to you and me, and to not only our own workforce experience, but our personal lives as well. Join us for the hastening fall of Bob Chapek and Disney's long road to diversity, equity, and inclusion, part two. By the way, as before, make sure you visit DisneyAtWork.com where images, links, so much is included as part of this podcast. We've outlined all of it there. You'll also be able to see the link to the previous podcast as well. So check it out there. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe so that you're informed of future podcasts. I again remind you, my forte is not to be a journalist. I am someone who has particular insights to the Walt Disney Company, both inside and out, and I seek to share them with others. But I have tried my best to try to get the dates and events and the details as accurate as possible as we go through these two podcasts. Let's turn to the present, 2022. On January 7th, at the beginning of this year, due to new COVID strains, Hong Kong Disneyland again closes. The park was closed about 40% of what was 2021. Management announces losses in the, in the, in the realm of US dollars, 308 million. And as at this time, it is still remaining closed. On January 10th, 2022, Bob Chapek lays out three specific pillars as his goals for 2022. Storytelling excellence, innovation, and relentless focus on our audience. An emphasis is also made when he says, our consumer is the North Star. Strange in all this is the languaging, not... Uh, not referring to those who love Disney as guests or even customers, but rather as consumers, which is a very different language uh, that you do not find within Disney. It also seems to point back to an early event where Bob Chapek in 2021 had previously emphasized the data is everything, which in many cases it is everything if you have the right data, quantitative and qualitative. It made people wonder though, if he was looking at numbers and not necessarily looking at what those numbers mean. And so even this simple thing as here are our three goals, which honestly are three good goals. They become criticized because of their languaging and because of what might be Bob Chapek's intent behind them. On February 16th, 
Story Living by Disney is introduced as an over 55 community with its first location in the greater Palm Springs area out in California. Disney emphasizes cast member-like customer service, but the fine print notes that Disney is not the developer of Cotino, the name given to the community, nor is Disney the builder or seller of homes within Story Living by Disney communities. Instead, third parties are developing and building these independently owned and operated properties. That's not really too surprising. Disney often goes uh, to third party operations like this. And in fact, this probably allows Disney to save a lot of money from its own investment. However, the illustration, which showcases a beautiful, enormous lake-like pool, is designed for a multi-state region, which is currently impacted by lowering water shortages on the Colorado River. I love the look of this pool, but seriously, this is the desert and water is becoming in short supply. Conversations are already being started as to whether or not water should, um, should be reduced in its allocation to agriculture. And here Disney has kind of, which and by the way, Disney has long-term been a great leader in conservation issues. And yet they seem to like have no clue about how this look might appear given um, events going on in the environment in that corner of the world. February 24th, 2022, the Florida House of Representatives passes a bill that would prohibit classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in the state's primary schools. Formally known as the Parental Rights and Education Bill, critics soon refer to it as the Don't Say Gay Bill. Not long thereafter, Disney's former CEO, Bob Iger, not Bob Chapek, but Bob Iger, who is now outside the company, having retired at the end, officially finally retired at the end of 2021, tweets in support of President Joe Biden's call against the bill back in February. Quote, I'm with the president on this. If passed, this bill will put vulnerable young LGBTQ people in jeopardy. End of quote. A few days later, about, two week, about a week later, on March 1st, 2022, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser opens its doors. Those reviewing it, largely on Disney's dime, note the quality of the experience and the efforts made by Imagineering to create such an amazing space. Still, few, if any, can justify its large price point which places many families or individuals out of the space from experiencing it. On March 3rd, 2022, Disney releases a statement. By the way, remember that the bill was passed in the House on the February 24th. This is March 3rd. Disney releases a statement. Quote, we understand how important this issue is to our LGBTQ plus employees and many others. For nearly a century, Disney has been a unifying force that brings people together. We are determined that it remains a place where everyone is treated with dignity and respect. The biggest impact we can have in creating a more inclusive world is through the inspiring content we produce, the welcoming culture we create here, and the diverse community organizations we support including those representing the LGBTQ plus community. March 7th, a few days later, after days of increased pressure from LGBTQ plus rights groups, the company takes a more public stand against the Florida bill. Chapek notes that Disney stories, quote, are our corporate statements in support of a diverse, inclusive world. As we have seen um, time and time again, corporate statements do very little to change outcomes or minds, said 
the Disney exec in an email sent out to the staff that morning. Quote, instead, they are often weaponized by one side or the other to further divide and inflame. Chapik added, simply put, they can be counterproductive and undermine more effective ways to achieve change. This initial memo will serve to further frustrate not only effective affected interest groups, but employees, cast members, crew, and others within the company. On March, 20, on March 9th, 2022, Disney holds its annual shareholders meeting online. On the ballot were these initiatives. First, a proposal requesting an annual report disclosing information regarding lobbying policies and activities. The company um, is not in favor of this. Second, an amendment of the company's governing documents to lower stock ownership threshold to call a special meeting of shareholders. Again, the company is not in favor of it. Third, a request for a diligence report evaluating human rights impact citing recent filming in China. Um, it is believed that one million um, Muslims have been forcibly uh, detained in high security prison camps in recent years. This um, kind of goes back to the filming of Mulan, but it is also related to the fact that Disney is in partnership with Chinese uh, government stakeholders in the Shanghai Disney theme park. And Hong Kong Disney is also ultimately under the um, auspices of the Chinese government. They are too in partnership there. Although technically it's the Hong Kong government, but, but events are happening where um, Hong Kong is losing its, um, its hold, its own personal decision-making authority. Finally, a proposal for disclosure in gender and racial pay parity um, was also introduced. This also was something that Disney um, fought against. However, um, with the shareholders, this measure was actually passed. The others were not passed. Then Bob Chapa gets up and speaks to the organization talking or to the shareholders meeting, giving this incredible presentation about all the great things. And there are many great things happening within Disney. The tr problem with it is, it's all been recorded previously. This is a shareholders meeting where usually in years past, y'all met physically in some location. Now that doesn't even occur. It's now online virtual. That's understandable, but he doesn't even show online. In fact, later when he gets to the um, live portion of the shareholder meeting where he takes questions and makes a statement, we don't even see him presenting. We just simply see a slide that says, now speaking, Bob Chapek, chief executive officer. No live um, delivery. It's at this point that Bob Chapek then states in the shareholders meeting that, quote, while we have been strong supporters of the community for decades, I understand that many are upset that we did not speak out against the bill. We were opposed to the bill from the outset, but we chose not to take a public position on it because we thought we could be more effective working behind the scenes, working with lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. To that end, he states that he called Governor DeSantis that morning prior to the shareholders meeting and that the two agreed to discuss the bill. On March 9th, 2022, after Disney has stated that it's going to make a donation to the human rights campaign, the human rights campaign refuses that $5 million donation from Disney until meaningful action is taken to combat Florida's don't say gay or trans bill. On that same day, March 9th, 2022, Pixar employees protest that, quote, 
We at Pixar have personally witnessed beautiful stories full of diverse characters come back from Disney corporate reviews, shaved down to crumbs of what they once were. Nearly every moment of overtly gay affection is cut at Disney's behest, regardless of when there is a protest from both the creative teams and executive leadership at Pixar, end of quote, the group alleged. Even if create even if creating LGBTQIA plus content was the answer to fixing the discriminatory legislation in the world, we are being barred from creating it. Again, this is a response to saying, to Bob Chapek saying, look, the best way we could kind of help influence the world at large is through our products, our art, our media, all of those kinds of things, which I frankly agree. But here, Pixar is saying, look, you're not even allowing us to do that. The company will actually eventually respond by approving the insertion of a same-sex kiss that will come out in Pixar's film Lightyear, which is heading out um, to theaters, maybe, or definitely Disney Plus, probably this next summer. On March 10th, 2022, Florida's legislature passed what supporters have called the Stop Woke Act, a bill intended to limit how workplaces and classrooms around the state handle discussions around surrounding critical race theory. Disney is particularly singled out for its diversity training. March 10th, 2022. You can just see this thing slowly spiraling downward. A week after Disney paused the Russian theatrical releases in the wake of the invasion of Ukraine, Disney said Thursday that it is taking steps to pause all other businesses in Russia as the fighting intensifies. On the same day, March 10th, 2022, out of the blue, well, actually out of the purple, the Port Neches Grove's high school band dancers perform a routine in the Magic Kingdom after being denied wearing purple Native American-like headdresses. During the performance, the dance team chants, Scalp em, Indians, scalp em. Disney later apologizes for what occurs. And you can see on uh, Disney at Work, there's a good uh, local news clip which kind of outlines all of this. Let me give you a little bit more insight to this experience. And by the way, um, well, it happens to be at the very same time this is being performed, my wife had taken my youngest son, who is an adult, autistic, low-functioning, to the Magic Kingdom. He wanted to see the parade. And so she barely gets there in time and, in fact, ends up right there in Town Square on the right side as you enter into the park, uh, just outside the Main Street uh, Theater. And she starts to see this coming down the street. And she is totally, totally blown away by what she is seeing. She texts our family the following, sitting on the street watching a high school band from Indiana. <laughs> it was actually from Texas, but it was the Indianettes. So she assumed that maybe they were from Indiana. At any rate, watching this high school band from Indiana march through Magic Kingdom, I experienced every emotion in a matter of seconds. First, the band. I tear up when bands march, something I inherited from my dad. Then came feelings of frustration over appropriation as the entirely white cheerleading squad marched through wearing Annie Oakley outfits shouting, Go Indians, scalp them! while people in purple shirts standing on all sides of us cheered and whooped. But we aren't done. Then my, our son yells at the passing drill team, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Ugh. Life is just strange sometimes. Now, what seems to be behind all this, they weren't wearing Annie Oakley outfits as much as they were wearing it, Indian headdresses, but when they got to Walt Disney World, they were told, they, no, you're not going to wear those purple headdresses. 
Now, they had submitted a band, uh, they had submitted performance of the band, and this is shown on the link that I look at the of the local news clip. Uh, they managed to get a copy of that video. That video is taken from way in the back of the bleachers of the whole football field. You see the band, the Indianettes or whatever, the, the cheer portion of the team isn't really represented. You don't see a sense of, of headdresses. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are other videos from as late as 20. They must have just come right before we closed for COVID. They, there were, they were marching just two years ago and in previous years, it appears, and nothing was said. So what must have happened is that Disney's management has changed over in this COVID and they didn't realize what was coming down. But when they saw these purple headdresses, um, when they saw these purple headdresses, they must have said backstage, yeah, you're not going to do this. At which point I think that ticked off the Indianettes or the band or whomever. And I think there was a decision made by the band. I don't know what adults were involved with this, but I think they decided that they would, in place of that, do their scalpum Indian scalpum chant um, as they came down the street. I have noticed videos, all the videos of this are not taken in any other part of the park, not Frontierland, not Liberty Square. Frontierland might have been appropriate, but not Liberty Square, not around the castle. It is all in the very final moments before they are turning the corner and walking off of Times Square. And the degree of cheering on and whooping, as my wife puts it, from everybody in purple, i.e. their parents, suggests to me that they were kind of being, making a defiant moment slash protest of this experience. And that's what you end up seeing. Back, by the way, there was a video played of this. It was removed and then somebody managed to copy it and put it back on, and then I think it's been removed again. But the movie that that captured this actually was taken by a parent, apparently, who was standing next to my wife. And if you if you listen at the end, she says you can actually hear him hear my son say, um, "See ya." Wouldn't want to be ya. Which, by the way, you understand in autism, you kind of parrot. Um, expressions and sounds. I don't know where I see. I don't want to be, wouldn't want to be it comes from. Please let me know if you know where. But at any rate, it's just, it's all ironic and happening at the same time and was very uncomfortable to my wife. In fact, we were over at the studios the next evening and we were talking. I started talking about it and she was kind of like, shh, 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 don't, 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 don't talk loud. You think some of those parents might be around us. I don't want to get into a, a confrontation here. When that kind of sentiment is felt by someone, by just simply a guest, there's something wrong about all of this. Um, it probably is indicative of the challenges that Disney has had in the sense they did take blame. They apologized for the event, said it wouldn't happen again, which I believe they will never be at Disney again. Um, the fact of the matter is, is there's a turnover going on. There's inconsistency in the application of policies and ideas around inclusion. We should have been saying two years ago, no, 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 not, not the purple headdress. You got to get, how is it that it was only a couple of years ago when that occurred? It all just kind of suggests, uh, just a mess that is going on, not just at Disney but kind of in our society in general. The next day, Turning Red premieres across the US on Disney+, Plus, but not in theaters, unlike West Side Story and Encanto. This really disappoints many Pixar employees. Now, let's just understand a couple of things here. If you go back to Pixar's history, you know that John Lasseter was accused of many women in Pixar of being simply inappropriate in his languaging or hugs or touching. And 
this surfaced to a degree that finally John Lasseter was excused from Pixar and was, you know, brought out of the organization. One thing that John did before he left is he put a particular director of Asian descent in charge of a little short that was created. And that little short became Bao. And that film, that little short was so successful that uh, I'm, I'm assuming Pete Doctor determined that she would head up another film, but this time a full feature length film. That ends up being Turning Red. Again, uh, this takes place in... Um, in a uh, in an Asian community in the city of Toronto. If you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend you, you take the time to do it. What made this film interesting, which would not have been the case if John Lasseter had been around, is that when Pixar creates a film, it has kind of a team of people that every time you bring in your reels and you kind of you, your work as it's being completed, it's brought forward to this team of people for review. Traditionally, this team has largely been a team of guys. I mean, these were kind of the original artists that were at CalArts when animation was started and John knew them and he brought them into Pixar as he kind of established his first films and so forth. And, 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 and that's a little bit of why a lot of Pixar films end up being kind of buddy films is because of that, it's kind of guys getting together. Um, what made this film interesting is in this instance, that team of people were all women. And that was a first for creating a Pixar film that not only was the art artist or the, the director female, but so were those working with her on the film, kind of heading it up. And so that's the interesting thing that comes out of turning red. But the other aspect of it is, is that as this movie gets ready and as it gets ready to go, you know, be delivered, a decision is made that it's not going to be in the theaters. That's a big thing for artists. They want to see their films on the big screen. There may have been good reason, rather related to COVID or to financial gains or whatever, but who made that decision? Again, it's a white male. And that's the problem in terms of the organization's leadership. As my oldest daughter put it, oh, oh yeah, new CEO. Oh yeah, you replace one white Bob with another white Bob. That's at the heart of what's not working. And it reveals itself in lots of different ways. And this is one of those little ways. Again, it may have been the right decision, but it was a decision not made by the artist or by anyone but someone who was a white male. On that same day, Bob Chapek will post a formal statement of support for the LGBTQ plus community. In this letter, he apologizes for not taking a more forceful stand against what activists call the don't say gay legislation in Florida. Still, many employees don't accept what has what JPEG has to say. They feel it's too little, too late. The next day on March 12th, in the wake of the controversy over Florida's don't say gay bill, a group of Imagineers have asked embattled CEO Bob Chapek to reverse a decision to move their entire division to Florida, a move they consider unreasonable given what they have called the state's hateful legislation. To add, to add fuel to the fire, California Governor Newsom tweeted, Hey, Disney, the door is open to bring those jobs back to California the state that actually represents the values of your workers. Now, what I didn't share in part one, I should probably missed it, was this ongoing thing with California, state of California, in opening up Disneyland's doors. Its doors were opened, well, the better part of a year after Walt Disney World's doors were open. 
Again, as I've said many podcasts, the only reason one is open and one is not had to do with the politics in Florida and the politics in California. And frankly, what we're seeing here is that Chapik is not successful. And I don't know that Bob Iger was either because he was appointed to the Governor Newsom's task force during COVID. And I saw very little come out of it. And maybe Newsom is the most difficult to work with as maybe is Santa DeSantis. But the fact of the matter is they really didn't end up making any great headway with, the, with Newsom. And right now, they're not making any headway with DeSantis because on March 13th, 2022, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis criticizes Disney for being too woke. I think he calls it woke Disney and claimed it has cozy ties with communist China. Quote, Disney is in far too deep with the Communist Party of China and has lost any moral authority to tell you what to do. End of quote. Well, by the way, you should also know that a lot of critics have come after Governor Ron DeSantis for his, um, uh, well, less than responsive efforts to end Russian ties to real estate and other uh, financial and economic holdings in Florida. So this thing goes back and forth both different ways. There ought to be a new ray of sunshine on March 16th because cheaper by the dozen premieres on Disney+. And I got to tell you, it's a great film. I wasn't really looking forward to it. I didn't care for the previous one. This is a gem. It premieres on Disney+, but its star, Gabrielle Union, again, terrific in the show, references the script and shows saying, quote, I'm incredibly proud of this, especially right now, because... We actually say gay, end of quote, referencing the script of the show itself. Then speaking directly about the Florida legislation, she added, quote, I don't want to say shock because hatred doesn't shock me at this point. I've been a black woman in America since 72. Nothing shocks me. But the fear that gripped me because I know what this leads to. Every moment in history, there has been this moment. We know how this ends. We know where hate and oppression lead. And it can start now with the LGBTQIA community. But if you think that's just a them problem, oh baby, you're next. Again, you'll remember my comment in the first podcast that this family in the film moves to Calabasas, which is only um, a stone's throw away from where uh, Bob Chapik had built his home during COVID when money was tight. March 21st, 2022. It doesn't stop in just the U.S. Shanghai Disney closes again due to COVID outbreaks. The previous November, Shanghai Health Authorities actually closed down the park with actually 34,000 guests inside the park after they had discovered that a woman who had visited the park earlier tested positive. Yeah, they closed, shut down the gates. You couldn't leave. The guests inside had to go through a very long process of being tested for COVID through the night before they were uh, let out to leave. On March 21st, the same day, town hall meeting is held with Bob Chapek's uh, and heads of HR in what is part of a series known as Reimagine Tomorrow. One individual I know felt the LGBTQ plus panel was really good, but that the event showed the egg on Bob's face. March 21st, same day, Daily Wire notes that conservative workers at Disney who fear naming themselves have posted an open letter asking that Disney remain politically neutral. The next day, on March 22, 2022, Disney employees stage, cast members, stage a massive walkout to the protest. This played out in front of Disney Animation in Burbank, at Pixar, at Lucasfilm, at the gates of Disneyland, and on 535, the gates of Walt Disney World. Um, celebrities like Mark Ruffalo and Oscar Isaac noted via social media their support. Now, I have to tell you, in all the images I saw from each of those protests, there were 
a few to several dozen. I was surprised that there were not more. I was surprised because I think there is more support within the organization. Now, I have to also say that in the middle of COVID, probably none of them are actually working in the offices. Most of them have been working from home. And if they came to the walkout or protest, they many of them may have or probably have come from home to do that rather than walking out technically from their office. I'm not sure how that all played out in every location. I'm just saying I didn't see as massive a walkout as I thought I would see. I'll also say going back to the previous thing, the the um, open letter from conservative workers who were concerned about their standing, um, I didn't see any I didn't see signatures. That's okay. I wouldn't expect that necessarily, but I don't even see an open tally saying, okay, um, 200 people agree with this or 80,000 agree. I don't see any numbers. So we say employees feel this way, employees feel that way. The fact of the matter is we're not sure where the majority of employees really are. However, on March 22nd, we do know where Josh tomorrow is because he Instagrams to all who come to this happy place. Welcome Disney parks, experiences and products is committed to creating experiences that support family values for every family and will not stand for discrimination in any form. We oppose any legislation which infringes on basic human rights and stand in solidarity and support of our LGBTQIA plus cast crew and Imagineers and fans who make their voices heard today and every day. By the way, similar statements were also made from Pixar and 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 um, and other segments of the um, parks uh, operation. Nothing that day really comes out from Bob Chapek's office that kind of makes you feel like his office, his C-suite of executives are kind of in one place and other management across the company are not necessarily in that same place. March 22nd, 2022, the Florida Democratic Party, late Tuesday night, abruptly scraps plans to hold its biggest annual fundraiser at Disney's Coronado Springs after the party's LGBTQ caucus and other top Democrats threatened to boycott the event amid the fight over controversial anti-LGBTQ legislation. So we're really clear. People on the right and people on the left, not very many of them, are really happy with Disney right now. So what is the future? Well, the immediate future is that last week, Bob Chapek announced that instead of a corporate retreat, which is a little bit of a flag, does that mean his management team is around him that he's now canceled the corporate retreat to go on a listening tour with employees? A very good thing to do, to go on a listening tour. Did you have to cancel the corporate retreat to do that? It just seems a little, just seems a little bit funky on that one. Moreover, in the wake of all this, the company's stock has been languishing near a 52-week low. That's far better than it was on March 20th of 2020, when after parks and movie theaters closed the world over, the stock fell to $85.98. It closed at the end of Friday's trading at $139. 14 as a point of comparison. Now that compares to 197.16 in February um, of two years ago um, when stocks, sur or I mean, I'm sorry, February of last year, just last year, when stocks surged after Bob Chapek announced major strategies and content for Disney Plus in a very special investors meeting. If a lot of the stuff you've heard that is coming out from Marvel, from, from Lucasfilm, from Disney, from Pixar and so forth, all were announced. It was dumped right there in that meeting. And the day after, stock just went way up as a result of it. Very, very 
powerful moment, but it hasn't it hasn't stayed that way. It's it's dropped and it keeps dropping fairly consistently. By the way, speaking of investor meetings, there will be one this week at Walt Disney World following that listening tour. I guess Bob's starting in Burbank and then he's going to Walt Disney World. Not that cast members or crew members or team members or whomever aren't all the way around the world. But anyway, I guess he after he stops at Walt Disney World, there's going to be an investor meeting. Team Disney is hoping they can showcase enough great things that the stock will soar again, like it did after that Disney Plus investors meeting last year. My guess is that these people, if if they are doing what they're doing, they are probably going to be getting a ride on Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. They are probably going to get a hard hat tour and maybe told what's actually going into the dead center of old future world now, world celebration. They are probably going to dine at Space 220 and they are probably going to visit the new Star Wars um, Galactic Star Cruiser and maybe told some other things that are happening. I'd like to see that televised. I don't think that's happening at all, but the intent is to take a select group of investors probably and get them so excited about Disney that it picks up the stock once again. Beyond what happens this week, and there could be many more things, beyond that, who can tell? But one thing is known. Bob Chapek's contract actually runs out in less than a year on February 28th of 2023, according to Deadline. So where is Bob Chapek going and what's going to happen next to Bob? I should say, and, and, and frankly, if I were on the board, I'd probably hang with Bob for the long for at least through February 28th, see if he could do the magic. Because not everything is Bob's fault by any means. But Bob's got to show that he's learning and growing and getting a whole lot better than what's going on right now. You know, it's of interest. Uh 104.1, it's a radio station that frankly prides themselves on being more LGBTQ plus friendly than any other station in Orlando, was chatting about current events with Disney the other day. And yet these four people on the, sh the afternoon show could not come to any consensus as to whether Disney was truly behind LGBTQ plus issues. One stated that they couldn't think of another more gay-friendly employer. One former employee on the show or one employee on the show, host on the show, who was a former employee, cast member of Disney, thought it was more show than anything. It made me stop and think if the Orlando community, and by the way, I think by the things I read and see and observe from where I stand, the company is seemingly LGBTQ+. Well, at least out front in their statements. But I think as you see through this, their ability to really do beyond the surface of being diverse and equitable and inclusive, I think they're struggling. If the Orlando community doesn't see Disney as gay friendly, well, who does? Jill Goldsmith, again of Deadline, shared a quote from Michael Morris of Guggenheim Partners about Bob Chapek. Quote, to expect that any, that, I'm oh, sorry, let me say that again. To expect that somebody can move into one of the most complicated CEO roles in the world during a global pandemic and get all A's is probably not a reasonable expectation. On the other hand, when issues do arise, how do you handle them does provide an indicator of your potential to be the right leader for the long term. Now, let me put it all together. Having gone through these two podcasts, let me summarize what I think it all means. First, guest and customer loyalty matters. At the end of the day, yeah, Disney is a business. People who often mention this are oftentimes in a fairly cynical place and will exclaim it as a means of criticizing or dismissing poor or unethical behavior on a company's behalf. But world-class organizations know 
that long-term success comes not simply by short-term profit gains, but by creating customer advocates. They crave your product. They become your biggest loyal fans. Disney has achieved this better than most any other company across the globe, but sometimes they forget how important it is. Therefore, sometimes Disney acts like a business that is short-sighted and money-focused. It's not new to Disney. It's just not their best formula. Disney's best solution and the formula of great world-class organizations is long-term customer loyalty, which is earned by doing the things your customers or guests want. Second, great leadership matters. World-class organizations are led by great leaders. Walt Disney and his brother Roy were great leaders. They've been replaced by others, a few of which were titled CEO. Finding a great CEO is huge and difficult. To that end or another, Bob Iger postponed his retirement three times. This included Tom Staggs, heir apparent, who stepped down as COO in 2016. At the center of this should be Disney's board of directors, who were under the direction of Bob Iger, then serving as chairman as well as CEO. A board's most important calling is to keep the leadership of an organization alive. Disney barely has a process for choosing top executives, much less a diverse portfolio of such. Moreover, it's just still far away from finding great leaders. Third, remove the politics. Focus on standards, on your values, on your beliefs. Disney for decades contributed to political campaigns that serve the interests in its company. Some are even political themselves. Even Walt Disney gave Lyndon B. Johnson some, some humorous grief about being on the other side of the political spectrum. In later decades, financial contributions have been on both sides of the political spectrum. They also appointed executives in the company to interact with both sides politically. None of this makes Disney the unique brand that it is today. It just makes Disney another corporation. Support causes you believe in. And stay out of the politics that divide and tear people apart. Fourth, equity and inclusion means compensating fairly. Disney has compensated C-suite executives well since Michael Eisner and Frank Wells back in the 1980s. This is opposite of Walt and Roy, who too often took up their own personal funds to invest in the future. When executives earn too much, it can play out how a CEO views compensation, equity and pay, money investments in general, what a customer or guest can tolerate, and simply the value of their own employees. CEOs were paid 351 times as much as a typical worker in 2020. So this is a problem across the board. But according to MarketWatch, the ratio was not 351, but 644 to 1 at the Walt Disney Company in 2020 in the middle of COVID. Disney talks inclusion, but when you can't have, but you can't have inclusion without equity, and you can't have any real form of equity with this sort of pay gap. In summary, if Disney seems at times rudderless, it is probably because it is mirroring a country and a world which also seems rudderless. Like Disney, we need to follow the compass of our hearts and act with integrity. In the end, what wins hearts and minds is serving others, inspiring others, and giving to one another. To that end, as in all Disney at Work podcasts, we try to bring souvenirs for you and your organization. So ask the following questions. What is going on in my organization that is obscuring me from staying centered on the customers I serve? Are you led by the right leaders? 
Are you yourself a right fit leader, regardless of position? What do you need to be better as a leader? How are you putting skin in the game, even with how you are compensated? Are you reinvesting in your own organization or at least in your own values and ideals? How do politics support or obscure my ability to live up to the values and standards I hold? And may I just say, I think that politics keeps so many of us from living up to what we truly believe in. Finally, am I fair in compensating those who work with me and for me? Does my compensation illustrate that equity is relevant to me? Thank you for joining us for this Disney at Work podcast. Two big, long podcasts, but we felt like we had something to say about all of these events that are unfolding, which will probably continue to unfold in the days and weeks to come. We do appreciate you joining us. And if you'd like to support, the one way you can do that is by joining the Wayfinder Society, where we not only give you glimpses and ideas into what's happening Disney business-wise, but also as a fan of Disney. We have interactive tools and ways to celebrate all things Disney and to learn from Disney. I hope you've learned something from today and I hope that this time has been meaningful. As I always say in my podcast, and I say it with heart and I judge my heart every day by this statement, always follow that compass, that compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.